0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. This is episode 137, entitled The Miller-Smith Debate on Jesus' Preexistence. Audience, Q&A. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I will be your host. Over the past few episodes, we have been listening to smaller files of my recent debate on the nature of Jesus' pre-existence as taught in the Bible. I debated Mr. Eric Miller, who argued that Jesus Christ did consciously pre-exist his birth. I, of course, tried to demonstrate in the debate that Jesus did not consciously pre exist his birth, and that most of the texts that suggest pre existence are best explained in light of wisdom Christology and logos Christology. You can listen to the debate in its entirety on YouTube, and the link to the debate will be posted in the notes. this episode. In this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian podcast, we will get to listen to the audience Q&A that took place after the debate officially ended. The live audience submitted questions to the moderator during the debate, and Mr. Miller and I took turns answering the various questions. We also took some time to interact with each other In the answers that we provided to the audience so it was a great opportunity to hear some much-needed clarification of both views of Jesus that were presented in the debate I actually thought that the time was a lot of fun one of the questions offered asked in regard to personal pronouns used of the word in the Old Testament This was a good opportunity for me to remind the audience that God's word, that is, his speech, was often personified in the Old Testament. The personification of speech is not the same thing as suggesting that the word was a conscious person alongside Yahweh. I was able to point out that no Hebrew lexicon concludes that God's word in the Old Testament, the Hebrew noun Devar, is a person. No lexicon says that. From the Old Testament's perspective, there is no conscious logos alongside the God of Israel. On the other hand, God's word is his creative speech, his powerful speech, And that is clearly observed in the opening lines of Genesis chapter 1, from which the prologue of John clearly draws. I also thought the question regarding the Son of Man was a good question for the audience to ask. Many assume that Jesus Christ pre-existed as the Son of Man in the Old Testament but I was able to make the keen observation that son of man is just a way of referring to a human being. And that is how the lexicons define it. Even the Aramaic son of man in Daniel chapter 7 is defined in the lexicons as a mortal human being. So to suggest that Jesus preexisted as the son of man would be to propose effectively that the preexistent human being in heaven became human at the Incarnation, which is utterly ridiculous. How can a human being become incarnate as a human being? I also noted the context of John 3.13, which deals with the ascending into the mind of God to gain insights that an authorized revelatory figure could take and unveil to the people. And we see this ascending and descending son of man as an authorized revelatory figure in John 3:13 and John 6:62. 6, the final question offered by our moderator Brandon Duke was also a good question, getting us to think about the physics of incarnation and how that would even work from a survivability standpoint. So be sure to listen to the discussion on that question. In fact, all the questions and the interaction that took place during the Q&A were excellent, and I hope that you enjoy listening to it. Again, I want to offer thanks to Mr. Eric Miller for graciously participating in the debate as a fine example of how to respectfully disagree with one another. I also wanted to thank our moderator, Brandon Duke, for all the work and effort that he put into the debate. Both of these gentlemen are highly recommended if you want to have a dialogue of your own. So without further ado, let's tune in and listen to the live audience Q&A that took place after my recent debate on Jesus'
0: preexistence. Uh, for those of you that want to hang around um our debaters have agreed to answer some questions uh and uh for our debaters our audience has responded with plenty um so uh, if it's all right i was kind of scrolling through them lots and lots of good questions um and but i'm gonna try and give preference to those that got in first um okay so this is a question for dr smith and and then i, I think i'll let each of you take a swing at him if you'd like Uh, Are singular personal pronouns used for the word of God in the Old Testament, is the question.
1: Uh, It depends on what you mean by a a personal pronoun. Uh, If you mean by personal that the word is a person, um, I I don't think grammatically you can make a distinction between uh, a a pronoun that is impersonal or pronoun that is personal. Um, You know, uh, Devar uh, um, being masculine, you know we'll we'll have masculine verbs uh, masculine pronominal suffixes um but I, I did demonstrate with a couple of passages out of uh, hebrew poetry that uh the word uh, is personified um the word runs very swiftly god sends his word uh, isaiah 55:11 um god's word is not going to come back to god without accomplishing what god uh, desires um so but uh we have to take those seriously uh, that, that uh, personifications are not uh, separate persons. Um, and I can tell you, there's, there's no lexicon, no Hebrew lexicon that says that Devar refers to uh, a a conscious person alongside God. That just doesn't
0: exist anywhere. Eric, would you like to comment on that question too? No. Okay. <laughs> then I've got one. Then I've got one for you. Um, did okay. Jesus pre-exist as the son of man in john three thirteen and six sixty two, just a question we can turn to those if that's helpful too yeah so in john three thirteen, did jesus pre-exist as the son of man
2: this wasn't this wasn't part of the obviously wasn't part of the case that i made today um but if you're asking me uh, i do believe that the son of man uh, refers to a pre-existent um, figure um, there are some questions. Um, you know, obviously the son of Man appears before the ancient of days in the book of Daniel, um, but I recognize the fact that that doesn't uh, necessarily imply pre-existence. He can just be seeing a vision, and that doesn't mean that it was a literal, a literal thing that was happening, um, uh, you know, uh, in heaven, or it's, that would imply Jesus pre-existent. Um, so that's not something that I would necessarily defend in debate. But if you're asking me, if that's what I believe, yes, I do. I believe it
0: refers to. Pre- Ed Smith, you want to comment on that one?
1: Um, I, I think saying that Jesus is a pre existent Son of Man seems strange because Son of Man means a human being. So Jesus pre exists as a human being. So a human being became a man. What in the world does that even mean? Um, you know, Daniel 7 uh, initially has the vision of this great and terrible beast that is uh, attacking. Um, you know the people of God, and then the Son of Man gets vindicated by the Ancient of Days. But then, when the passage goes on and it unpacks what it means in seven eighteen and verse twenty two and in verse twenty seven, the, uh, the the Son of Man uh, is is a figure that represents uh, uh, the saints of the Most High, the the whole the people of God. Um, so, it's, so notice it's a it's a a single figure that represents humanity. But Son of Man um, in in Aramaic. Uh, refers to a human being. Um, so uh, the Son of Man ascending or descending uh, in, uh, in, like in John three thirteen, 13, Jesus says, hey, if I showed you earthly things and you don't understand that, how are you going to understand heavenly things? No one's ever ascended into heaven except the Son of Man who, who descended. Um, that doesn't mean, I mean, you know, it, it means no one has ascended to understand these, these great and powerful things of God and is going to function as the authorized revealer and interpreter of God other than Jesus, the human being. Uh, that, that I think that's how the logic of
0: those passages works.
2: Are we able? Are we able to follow up, or are we
0: just or no? Up to you guys. It's your show. If it's okay with Dr. Smith, it's okay with me.
1: Yeah, you, you go go in. like. Can you, if you could, briefly follow up? But I, I'd I'd still like to get some more
0: some yeah. more questions. We have we have uh, we have over twenty questions submitted. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> fine,
2: fine. We can keep going. <laughs> that's fine.
0: Well, okay. Let's, uh, let's pivot. We have, we had, um, actually somebody already got to ask that question. So, um, I have a question and I'm going to try to, to boil it down because it's, it's lengthy. Um, the, the question basically is where do we see throughout scripture? I think in particular, the focus is in the old Testament that, um, that conscious or physical pre-existence is, is present anywhere. Um, and I, I don't know if this is playing back off of the, the, you know Philo references, or or, uh, or Origin and his idea of of preexistence, uh, but the, the question is is Jesus the unique and only example of this idea or doctrine of preexistence, and therefore it requires a high level of interpretive speculation. That's that's the that's the question. I think it's intended for for Eric. Um, is, is 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 Jesus the the only example of this kind of this kind of thing, or is or is uh, is this something that exists elsewhere?
2: Something that, and that's a good question, something that I think we uh, I have to be careful how I phrase this, or I'll just qualify myself at the end of it. Something that I found really interesting as I was studying for this debate was how much of the arguments that Socinians or maybe I shouldn't say Socinians that people who deny pre-existence use uh, can be turned around against them to just refute the Christian faith in general. How many people were born of a virgin, <laughs> you know? How, how many, how many, was, yeah, these, are, these are unique concepts that reply only to Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you read Jewish apologetics, they're not only are they going to tell you that Jesus was not pre-existent, they're going to tell you that, you no, know, that's not what it says and he had to be born of a virgin and that the Bible, or, 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 um, or many other passages in which um, you know, the New Testament is appropriating Old Testament passages to speak about Christ. Um, so yes, of course, it, it, Christ is unique. <laughs> I mean, why would it, why would it surprise us? Um, we don't need to have a doctrine of everyone uh, uh, pre-existing. Uh, because uh, it, and it only applies to one specific person who had a specific um, uh, task to be to take on uh, flesh, be born as a man, to die humble, uh, obedient to God, and then be exalted. Um, and with this idea, well, do we see this idea of conscious preexistence um, in the Old Testament? Just to ask the question is anachronistic, because we're talking about preexistence in light of the incarnation. So you're not going to see the pre-existence of Christ before he was incarnated, you just see the existence of the person who would become Christ. Um, I don't know if I can take it in an opportunity because I kind of, I don't want to cut off, I kind of got cut off in the the debate, and then people have asked me this question like a billion times, what do I think that Jesus pre-existed as? I'm not afraid to say that the Bible just doesn't go into detail, but it does go into more detail than it does about Jesus' upbringing in childhood. We have more passages to, even, to at least debate about Jesus in the pre-existence than we do as a teenager or as a young child. And my belief is very similar to Barton Stone. Again, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't um, force anyone to believe this, but that God treated a rational soul, okay? So a soul would be an, um, an unembodied mind, and at the proper time, he united that soul with a human body. I am, I believe in dualism, interactionism. I think that physicalism, philosophically speaking, doesn't work. Um, And I I do believe that we are uh, a body-soul composite. And I think that God created a rational soul. And at the proper time, the Incarnation, He unites that soul with an actual human body.
0: Okay, Dr. Smith, you want to comment?
1: I I appreciate that clarification. you know, it, it helps me to kind of see, okay, this is where it, where it settles there. Um, and you know what? It, of course, my response is maybe the Old Testament doesn't tell us what Jesus was in his pre incarnate state because he wasn't there in a pre incarnate state. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and just to say too, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those persons that says, oh, look, Jesus is completely unique. Because um, I've tried to make the argument that, um, you know, we could see wisdom, Christology, in Matthew, Luke, John, 1 Corinthians, Colossians, and Hebrews. A lot of big passages. But this, you know, the the theology of talking about actual human beings as the embodiment of God's wisdom is something that has gone back for hundreds of years, all the way back, you know, uh, Philo, um, Sirach, Uh, and even the biblical book of Proverbs. So I'm actually arguing that the depiction of Jesus in that sense is in continuity um, with Jewish wisdom speculation. Um, You know, obviously there there are some things like, you know, Jesus, like the New Testament writers think that Jesus is the fullest climax and the fullest embodiment of wisdom. There's no one else that's going to uh, take that. And obviously the Messiah, the anointed King of the kingdom of God is someone who is much greater than, you know, the Persian women of, Proverbs 31, or um, the high priest uh, in Sirach chapter 50, or even Sarah uh, in Philo. So that's just kind of my response.
2: Can you can you imagine, and this is maybe a rhetorical question, but can we imagine somebody saying, well, maybe the reason that the Bible doesn't talk about Jesus' upbringing and birth is because, you know, the Bible's actually just myths and fables, and we have these people who are making up an idea of a a Christ redeemer, you know, that's based off of, you know, mythical figures in Greek and, you know, Roman uh, mythology. Um, I mean, there are people who can make those kinds of arguments, but absence of evidence doesn't mean evidence of absence. And my point with regards to the question about pre-existence wasn't that it's not that it just doesn't describe Christ in a pre-incarnate state, but to ask about pre-existence or pre-incarnation before the incarnation is anachronistic. So it describes what, I I think at the end of the day, we have to look at what the arguments are presented for what Jesus is doing. If we know Jesus is there and he's doing something, then the the question of pre-existence is settled. It seems to me to ask him, well, what kind of a body did he have? You know, did he have toenails? Like, what was his eye color? To me, those are ways of kind of, you know, getting around uh, the, the the evidence that's presented for Jesus being in the the, the um, Old Testament, we have to deal with what's presented rather than asking, well, why don't we have this and why don't we have that? In my
1: opinion, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's um, again, it's, it's helpful to to help. Um, let, let's be worth the pun here to to flesh out some of these things, um, you know, um, to, to to incarnate <laughs> a lot of your thoughts and, into words here. Um, you know, obviously, from my position is that if if the New Testament continues to use a verb, which means to bring someone into existence, um, and we know exactly when that time was, it's the birth of Jesus then. He didn't have a real existence prior to that. Um, so
2: uh, not, and, and the, not, the
1: thing the thing with the, um, with the upbringing of Jesus, that's not even in debate. No one says, well, just because the Bible doesn't talk about it didn't happen. Like, we're not even debating that. Like, that's not an issue of debate. And I wouldn't expect the gospels, which are, uh, from a genre standpoint, Greco-Roman biographies, which are specifically written, and I've got 40 other Greek Greco-Roman biographies written in the first century, um, you know, so, so I'm well aware of what they're, how they're supposed to function. They're, they're to to pull up a character and to say, this is the type of person you're supposed to follow. You're supposed to follow by his example and the way that he speaks or the way that he does things. Um, so, of course, there would be no reason to have those, those points um, in a gospel. So I think it's kind of a, a moot point and, to our argument.
2: And perhaps and, and the reason the Old Testament doesn't spend all this time speculating about what kind of body Jesus had in the creek uh, before he, he went, became incarnate is because it's about the story of Israel. It's not about what Jesus uh, was doing in heaven. So while, while we get these tidbits, Okay, Jesus here uh, and he's, you know, shepherding and he's giving them water. and He doesn't spend all this time thing uh, But he has this kind of a spiritual body and this was taking place and that kind of thing because that's not the primary focus But we still do get something and my point is that we need to affirm what we do get on the basis and, and but the argument about bringing into existence um, I made the point and I think you misunderstood what I was saying because you said, well, the pre-existence of souls, that's not a Christian idea. I think I specifically said that I didn't think that it was a Christian or a biblical idea, but my point was, if the Greeks had a concept of literal conscious preexistence, but also used the normal terms for birth, then there's not a contradiction between the two.
1: I, I just don't think the, the writers of the New Testament are writing out of a Greek mindset. I think they're writing um, out of a Second Temple Jewish mindset, so. Anyway, we but we should go on to some more
2: questions. You made, here. You made, you made the argument from the Greek word, right? Though so, that, there was, a, yeah, that but, there was that there was that there's a it means beginning bringing into existence, and that would contradict pre... I know, I know. We have more questions.
0: <laughs> You're okay. No, I, I, I'm, 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 my my guess is the audience is enjoying this because these are all issues that. Um, they could they could use some more time in the debate too. But yeah, let me ask let me ask another one because there are several people that have asked because um, I have a question or two I want to ask too so I'm gonna save myself one. Um, but um, but let me there there's several audience members that are asking effectively what what does this matter like where where does the rubber meet the road what's what are the the consequences of this right um, what are what happens what are the other shoes to fall if you choose. Let's say you choose the, the other side and you're wrong. Um, what are the benefits of, of choosing this this view and, and being right? Um and I, I I know we're trying to be uh some somewhat ecumenical together here tonight, but um but we obviously think this matters and we're trying to try and hold on to that. So maybe I'll uh I'll, maybe I'll throw that to Dr. Smith first and say and and see what you think.
1: Yeah, this I mean there's a lot of points <clears throat> on this. Um you know, like there are there are biblical books that are written that address this particular issue. I'm thinking uh, primarily Second John, but even First John chapter four, like partly, deals with this. But Second John was written because the humanity of Jesus was being undermined, um, and it has some pretty awful things to say about people that that deny the human Jesus. Um, you know, we didn't talk today about about you know if 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 Jesus consciously pre-existed and he became human, does that lead to to two natures um i know i i I know what mr miller thinks on on the subject there but some people will hear his argument and actually say well this actually affirms uh dual natures um which actually means that the real jesus whatever he is is not really human he he, he, because he really exists as something else um but for me i think you know like when paul talks about the gospel like you know the thing that we speak to people to, that they need to believe and understand in order to have salvation and enter into this relationship with God and Christ. Um, Paul says it, it's about, you know, his son who was a descendant of David, a lineal descendant of David, not David's creator, not someone who pre-existed David, but David's descendant. And even uh second Timothy two, eight also says to remember Jesus Christ, a descendant of David, according to my gospel. Uh, and so the, the, the identity of Jesus is bound up with the, uh, the understanding of the gospel, um, and uh, you know, I, I mean, like, there's lots of other things we could say here, um, but but I, I think Mr. Miller and I we're we're, we're trying as best we can to uh, to find things in common instead of uh, finding ways to uh, to divide. So uh, I'll, I'll pass it over to him.
2: Um, the question is, is what is it important for, or what does it matter for? Um, because obviously I'm here and accept. Uh, both created and destined, neither of whom affirm pre-existence as brothers than Christ. So obviously the first point is that it, I don't think that it matters for a question of Christian fellowship. Can I personally be a member of the Church of God, <laughs> which I don't know if they take a position of preexistence, but everybody who I know denies it, um, that would probably be difficult for me because for me pre-existence is so much an integral part of both the biblical story and the story of who Jesus is and if I'm teaching and preaching and evangelizing, um, to cut that part out, to me, it's just it's too much. So the question is, what does it matter for? Does it matter for Christian fellowship? No, I don't believe so. Again, I har- hardly believe it, Dustin. The people in the chat, uh, I, can't, I can't feel the comments. Maybe some who are throwing tomatoes at me. I think these people are, are believers in, in Christ, and I would call them brothers and sisters. Um, but then we get to other questions of, okay, church fellowship and what is taught, and, you know, the question is what's at stake is, again, like I said in my, my closing statement, I, I just don't think that we can understand fully and appreciate the person and work of Jesus Christ apart from pre-existence. Um, and I also believe that there are theological issues that come up when you have God who picks somebody to die for the sins of mankind. I think it really just, it's not that it's impossible, but it really does undercut uh, the sacrifice element of what it means, you know, to really descend your son. Um, it also undermines the uniqueness of Jesus. Um, could, God could have chosen anybody, really. And if, Jesus, if you're trying to say that it was, you know, Jesus didn't have anything to him, even in regards to preexistence, Jesus, God could have chosen anybody to be the savior of mankind. It wouldn't have had to be Jesus. So we get into, even, with, and I keep going, but even with the virgin, the question of virgin birth. Well, what good is the virgin birth if you don't have um, pre-existence. Pre-existence, I mean, version of birth certainly could imply something like pre-existence, because you don't need an egg and a sperm. You just need um, a, um, him you know, becoming human, a descendant of David, which is why he was born of Mary, um, whereas while the pre-existence part, you know, to, or the uh, virgin part, harkens to the fact that he had a pre-existence. But this is why many Socinians in the 1700s abandoned, like people like Joseph Priestley, abandoned the doctrine of the virgin birth, because it was kind of like this extraneous appendage. So I think it does matter for doctrine. I think it does matter for church fellowship. I don't think it matters for Christian um, fellowship. Uh, and I really that's why I'm glad that we have a place like the Unitarian Christian Alliance, um, because I think that despite the fact that we go back and forth about this issue, um, I really the, the main issue, I think, is really trying to help encourage our Trinitarian brothers and sisters to rethink uh, some of the ways that they've been reading into those passages. And I think we need all of us to, you
0: know, to engage in that. That's appreciated. Um, D- Dr. Smith there and Mr. Miller, how long do you guys want to go? Because uh, like I said, I've got tons and tons of questions. Um, we I, we hadn't really set a time. So uh, do you want to go another 10, 15 minutes? How do, how do you want to play it?
1: You know, I, I mean, we,
0: tired. It, the thing <laughs> is, if
1: we said, hey, we're going to do questions, we're going to be here forever. Um, and the thing is, right. we, we both still have email addresses and and phone numbers and stuff like that. And I imagine the conversation is not going to, I'm pretty sure we did not settle the debate today. You know, (laughs) people are still going to be talking about it there. Um, So uh, you know, I think we, you know, how how about this? How about we, how about you pick one, one good question that you think is good to end things off on um, and then just, it's just, we can't, you know, I've been sitting here for like three hours at this point,
0: you know, yeah, I was going to say, everybody... my, my dinner's
1: getting cold, you
0: know, <laughs> fair enough. Well, look, uh, my apologies to the audience. Cause I'm taking the last question for me. Um, and it's something that we haven't really talked about. Um, and, uh, because we haven't really gotten into the, some of the metaphysics, uh, you guys have stuck to the, to the Bible, but let me direct it to Mr. Miller first. And that is how can someone survive incarnation as a baby? Uh, it seems to me that um, when we see babies, uh, and in particular when we, knowing what we know about how people come into being—you start as a single cell and start dividing—how um, is it that that you see uh, a person going from, say, some sophisticated adult status as a, some pre-existing being into being that baby authentically and surviving that? How do you help us understand that?
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of issues. I thought, I don't know where it was. Maybe it was Unitarian or Unitarian Christian Alliance where I thought you asked that question. I was hoping we would be able to get to that. But I think there's a couple of ways that we can go at this. Um, one of the difficulties in answering this question is it, it ties, it dovetails into um, uh, the virgin birth, which is a, literally a miracle. And so if you don't know, did Jesus did it start there? Did it start as a zygote? It is, you know, at what point, you know, are we talking about uh, Jesus, um, you know, it, uh, the human body that uh, he came to inhabit. you know, at what, what point did that come into existence? Um, uh, and, but let's just say that, um, again, my belief, similar to Barton Stone, is that God created a rational soul and that he united it with a human body. And so there's no, in terms of um, uh, you know the, the development of that, and Jesus would have developed in the same way that any other human being would have developed. Um, but, and again, this is, uh, I hate this because it's so much speculation, but William Lane Craig talks about this, and I think he defends it pretty well. Um, latent possibilities within uh, the person of Christ that can unroll over time, um, to where maybe he can have understandings of, um, you know, his pre-existence or something like that. My belief is that he came to understand it through scripture, through his parents, through um, prayer, and, and even maybe at the last resort that he came to understand it through, um, you know, these latent possibilities. But the question, but you asked a specific question. You asked a specific question about how does he survive, how does a person survive that? Um, I don't think there's any question at all. Um, a rational human soul united with a human body. And I believe that we are all rational souls united with human bodies. And so there's no, there's no question of identity. There's no issue of identity there. The, the question, and I don't know exactly how to answer this question. I thought about it a lot, but I have to do more reading. The question is, how, how do you turn back the clock of understanding? And I, I look forward to, I, I, I have not, I have not read anything on that. I haven't looked into that. How do you turn back the clock and see this is, um, uh understanding of pre-existence to going to, going to a child? Um, that's the question I can't answer. I know uh, Dr. Craig has done some answers with the avatar Christology. I'd have to think more about that. But uh, as, as far as the question of identities, I don't think that's a problem. The other question I think, I don't know. I'd have to think more about that.
0: Okay. I appreciate the honesty. Dr. Smith, what do you think?
1: Well, of course, I, I don't believe that a conscious pre-existent person became human. <clears throat> but it's interesting because I, I want to I see how the gospel writers point this out. Um, you know, Matthew frames it in terms of a genealogy. Instead of saying that Joseph is Jesus' father, you, you know, he uses kind of the divine passive, um, that which has been begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit uh, in Matthew 1.20. And so the divine passive implies that God is the father. Um, but still in Mary at that point, and so since we we know from Genesis chapter five, we know what genealogies are. We know from 1 Chronicles chapter one, we know what genealogy We just we know that's how they function. Like any any uh, Jewish reader who's familiar with the Hebrew Bible would have picked up Matthew and understood exactly what's taking place there. And of course, it's it it starts off by saying the son of Abraham, the son of uh, of David um in luke i like how in luke 135 it says that the holy spirit is going to come upon you and then the synonymous parallelism it's the power of the most high will overshadow you so god's spirit which is defined as god's power comes across and then there's the creation of the son of god for that reason the holy child begotten is the the son of god um and so i'm thinking okay when you have like the spirit hovering brooding and then there's creation well, that just draws me back to, to Genesis chapter 1, to where um, in Genesis 1-2, you have the, the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, and it's hovering and actually uses the verb for brooding, like a, like a, a mother hen over the, the, the chicks. Uh, and then what happens in, in Genesis 1-3? God speaks, and there's life and light. So we have with Jesus is the beginning of the new creation, but Luke frames it really in terms as kind of like a second creation by, by taking all of those Genesis themes um, you know, John says that uh, Jesus, um, the Word became flesh, or, or Jesus is, is the embodiment of God's Word. And of course, Word is uh, by that point uh, synonymous with wisdom. Uh, and of course, I've already demonstrated that. Uh, there's plenty of other Jews that uh, describe human beings as uh, the human embodiment of personifications, particularly of God's wisdom. Um, but, but I mean, John one one through eighteen is a poem you know, it's, it's written in poetry. And so we have to allow for the uh, the, the genre of poetry to uh, not push us to interpret it so woodenly literal.
0: I appreciate it. Um, you're good to go. This is
2: just a show. so much into response, but it's kind of a sharing a passage based on the other one that I kind of like. It says Hebrews ten five. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering he did not desire, but a body he prepared for me. So that's kind of, that's just kind of the idea that I'm working with here that um, and I, I know somebody else in the chat, and I guess this is maybe cheating, but somebody said it well, doesn't this imply that all um, rational all people yeah, um, uh, pre-existed? I don't I don't I don't see how that would apply at all because um, uh, I, I believe that Christ um, was not eternally existent. I do believe that Christ had a beginning. That's what makes me different from one of the things that me different from the Trinitarians. And so God brought him into existence, just like we're brought into existence. But yeah, I just wanted to share that passage.
0: All right. Thank you both very, very much.
1: Hopefully you enjoyed listening to the audience Q&A of my recent debate. hope that's something that was fascinating to listen to. And hopefully you learned a thing or two. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Join us next week as we look closely at a common Old Testament proof text concerning the preexistence of Jesus. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Yes, next week's episode will be the Malachi 3 1 episode. Be on the lookout for another debate that is in the works. I'm scheduled to participate in another live Zoom debate towards the end of this month. This time, the debate deals with whether the only true God exists in a trinity of persons. So it should be a very fun debate. Be sure to check out the Biblical Unitarian Podcast Facebook group for more details on the debate, especially if you too would like to listen in on the debate as a live audience member. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can support the podcast for free by sharing your favorite episodes and by rating and writing an honest review on iTunes. If you would like to make a donation to the podcast, please check out the episode's description for a PayPal link. I want to offer. An exceptional thanks to Dustin Williams for his post-production and his editing of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Thank you so much. And for you listeners, thank you so much for listening. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.